Welcome to Millennial 627. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. So Happy much energy from you, birthday. Andrew. Oh, what? I'll shut up. Start what did you again. say? I said so much energy from you, Andrew, during the intro. Oh, well, I'm very hyped up because we just, uh, it was just Pam's birthday. Happy Yay! birthday, Pam. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. What did you do? Um, this is on, this is the first year I've been home for my birthday in a very long time. So that was kind of weird. Um, but it was really nice. It was really mellow. We went out to the coast because I live pretty close and took my dog on a walk. And that was basically it. Stayed away from humans because that's what you should be doing right now. And everything is closed. So it was a really good excuse to get outdoors and, and enjoy the nice natural beauty. Yeah. Very nice. Guys, I'm also realizing I have a hard time pronouncing birthday. <laughs> How I do you feel usually like I used say to it? Be, like, I've, I was trying to say it to you a minute ago, and I'm like, birthday. 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 <laughs> <sighs> I think you're just tired. No, I had problems with THs as a kid, and I think I'm those problems mm. are coming back. <laughs> there's really, I mean, there's really not a graceful way to lead into this from Pam having a really great birthday celebration. Um, but we did just want to acknowledge that the U.S. lost two civil rights icons over the weekend on the same day. Um, John Lewis and C.T. Vivian, both of whom worked very closely with um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, both of whom have legacies that we could not possibly cover <laughs> if even if we dedicated the entire show to discussing the both of them, um, there's no way that we could possibly pay tribute to um, all the lives they touched and the impacts they have had on, you know, the progress of this country. And I'm forever humbled by people like this who live their lives in the service of others and in the service of making us all more free. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely... Um, it was tough. I mean, being from Atlanta also, um, John Lewis was um, our congressman from the 5th District. Um, so he's very well known and loved here. Um, and it was definitely a blow to lose both of these people in the same day. Also pisses me off that they like their last moments in America were this America. <laughs> like, I was oh, like, yeah. oh, God, this is fucking terrible. So I just I was really I think about, about that. It. I think about that when people have died over the past few years. I'm like, damn, you're going out with Trump in office. That just is such a shitty time to leave Earth. And I'm sure that's not what they're thinking in no. their final moments. But I think about that because... I feel like we failed. Like, I feel like we failed them. Yeah. And that's yeah, in what... A way. Ugh, it sucks. And also, yeah, Shane sucks. is pointing out correctly in the Discord that... Uh, Marco Rubio paid tribute to John Lewis by putting up a picture of Elijah Cummings. Oof. <laughs> because apparently he's like, I can't tell my bald black men apart. <laughs> no, apparently not. How do you even make that mistake? I mean, I don't know. If I'm Marco Rubio or if I'm his intern, I'm just going on Google Images and searching this guy's name and then taking one of those photos, you know? So I don't, I don't really understand how that mistake is made. It, it's made when you don't care. Yeah. That's how that mistake gets made, when you don't give mm. a shit. 
Also, this is my final episode from Chicago. This is it. You can see the moving boxes Woo! behind me. Yay! <laughs> like I was saying during hashing it out, this feels like the day before summer break because this is the last podcast I'm recording from here, maybe ever. Um, I think we're ready. The current stress is making sure everything is going to fit into the pod. We purchased one of the largest pods available, and this is one of those moving companies where they'll bring out what they call a pod, and you load it up. And then they take it and uh, bring it out. But the difference between this and a traditional moving company is that you're supposed to be doing all the loading. We're hiring movers because we're on the third floor and we don't want to deal with that. After Wednesday, everything's going to be out of here and I'll finally be able to start relaxing. Like, it's just so stressful trying to get everything done on a deadline. I'm just looking forward to the fun, the move-in part because that's the fun part. You're not working on a deadline. You get to set things up the way you want. You get to fill this home. And uh, we're going to have a lot more space, so that'll make it less stressful as well. So I thought that I would give you guys a little bit of extra work this week. I said, because I'm leaving Chicago after three years, I came here in August 2017, why don't you guys quiz me and see how much I've actually learned about the city of Chicago? And Laura and Pam have each brought, I think, three questions to the table. They're multi-choice, right? Because I'm not going to be able to yeah, guess, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I need help. We got you. Okay. I'm, okay. Still, I'm still not sure you'll know all of these, but, you know, you'll try. Okay, Andrew, which of the following is not one of Chicago's nicknames? <laughs> <laughs> the Windy City, the Gusty Gull, City of Big Shoulders, or the Second City? See, the Second City, that's, that is one. It's also called the Third Coast. The gusty gull would make sense because of the wind. So I'm going to guess the big shoulders one. I don't know why it would be called that. So you are incorrect. Um, <laughs> the city of, big, city of Big Shoulders is real, according to uh, Chicago's tourism website. That's where I got this from. Uh, I made up the gusty gull. <laughs> That's pretty good, though, because I thought it would trick you. Yeah, alliteration to gusty mm -hmm. gull. What is a gull? Like a seagull. Oh. <laughs> I was surprised when there were seagulls here. I was like, I thought those were only by oceans. <laughs> no, no, they're everywhere. They're winged rats. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pam, hit me. According to the Chicago Sun-Times, how many deaths were ruled homicides in 2019? <laughs> wow, dark. <laughs> well, I feel like you're always talking about crime in Chicago, <laughs> so I thought this is something that you would be up on. How many deaths were ruled homicides in 2019? Last year? A, 510, B, 370, C, 120, or D, 250? I'm going to guess the big number because I was thinking at least one a day, <laughs> which is dark, <laughs> but I'm going to guess A, 520 or whatever you said. You are correct. It's 510. I'd say woohoo, but I can't celebrate that. So right. <laughs> I'm really upset because I'm going to mispronounce this. Um, Chigagu, the Algonquian word that gave Chicago its name means what? Permafrost, great fire. Onion field or Malort? Oh my god. Well, Malort is the disgusting <laughs> shot, so it's not that one. <laughs> I think we made Laura have Malort. It was not good. I'm going to guess A, whatever the fuck you said for that first option. Permafrost? Yeah, that one. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. Lock it in. Okay, you are also incorrect. Damn um, it! 
Chigagu means onion field. <laughs> I've it's never seen an onion field around here. <laughs> All right, Andrew. How much would an adult ticket cost if you wanted to visit the Lincoln Park Zoo? Oh, I Is know that. I know it. It's free. Oh, you do? It's free. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Woo! That's one nice part of Chicago. Your Look tax dollars pay behind. for that zoo. <laughs> I know, a free zoo. Eric Larson's Devil in the White City is about serial killer H.H. Holmes, who used this event in Chicago as a cover for his murder hotel. The 1893 World's Fair, the 1884 Pullman Strike, the Great Fire of 1871, or the reversal of the Chicago River Flow in 1900. I'm going to... I've seen the cover a lot. I'm going to guess, A, the World's Fair. You're correct. Woo! Yeah, it's a bright fairy-type cover, so that's why I know that. Okay, I've gotten three right so far. Oh, that's right. All right, here's your last one. Um, Which of these is not a Chicago pro sports team? Is it the Bears, the Brewers, the Bulls, or the Blackhawks? The Bulls? I'm going to say the Bulls. Well, wait, the Brewers, that's a Wisconsin team. What was C again? The Bulls. B-U-L-L-S. Oh, the Bulls. I thought you meant like a bowl, like a fruit bowl. A bowl. bowl. <laughs> <laughs> the the bowls. Brewers. The Brewers. <laughs> that That's correct. All right. Excellent. That's four. Okay. I didn't do too bad. 50%. No, four out a of six. A little more. Oh, okay. So like 60%. <laughs> yeah that's uh 66 no. percent yeah something like that that's like yeah. a d yeah that's how now, i would rate my now time we in know chicago why you're a leaving <laughs> it's the shame <laughs> later today i want to talk more about moving in general um not just me but i want to talk about living somewhere new and if you guys know anyone who's ever moved after two or three years because a place hasn't worked out for them maybe less maybe more and the dream place that we would want to live and a place we would absolutely hate to live based on us visiting there or maybe what we have heard about it. All right. Well, if you were disappointed in Andrew's quiz performance, Pam and I are going to move into an area that we are becoming subject matter experts on, and that's how to get your optimum Zoom browse before you have to hop on for your next meeting. Anastasia Beverly Hills has got you covered, and we've had a couple of weeks to experiment with a couple of different products like the Brow Wiz and the Brow Definer. And I've got to say, there's definitely a reason that Anastasia Beverly Hills has been the top name for the last 30 years in obtaining natural, fuller-looking brows. Today, I was feeling pretty casual, so I went with a more natural look by adding some light strokes to my brows with the Brow Wiz, and I love the way my brows look. But what I think the real advantage is here is that both the Brow Wiz and Brow Definer provide buildable coverage. So if you want a dramatic look one day and an effortless makeup-free look the next, you can totally do that. Um, yeah, I totally agree with Laura. I love that you can play it up or tone it down. Um, I've also been really enjoying the clear brow gel. Uh, that's not something that I would have normally gravitated to, uh, just like if I were shopping around at Sephora or something like that. But it's really become a game changer in terms of keeping everything in place and just making sure that the product, uh, you know, still looks poppin' after hours and hours of 
you know, either doing nothing at home or going out and about. Yep. And that's because it locks your brows in place with a soft, flexible hold that doesn't look crunchy or slick. You can even use this to smooth things out and give your brows more dimension if you're going makeup free or if you have naturally coarse hair. And you know we've got a code for you. Head to AnastasiaBeverlyHills.com and use promo code M-I-L-L to get 15% off your first order. That's A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-A BeverlyHills.com and you'll get 15% off your first order using promo code M-I-L-L at checkout. So before we get to our Rona roundup, uh, Pam, you wanted to talk about pets and separation anxiety that they may succumb to. Yeah, I thought that um, I saw this story on Bloomberg and I thought it was really interesting. Basically, what Bloomberg was saying was that, you know, because most people, unless you're an essential worker, have probably transitioned over to the work from home life in spite in light of the current coronavirus pandemic, uh, especially if you have pets, your pets might actually be getting a little too accustomed to having you around all the time. Specifically, mm-hmm. they were referencing dogs because cats are pretty, you know, um, like they don't they hate very much. Yeah, they would <laughs> rather you leave. But if, <laughs> if you've noticed that your dog is acting a little funny or being a little bit more anxious than normal, then it could be just because you've been spending all this time at home. So now even if you leave to go to the store, they're kind of freaking out, even if that's not something that they might have been doing originally. Um, Mm -hmm. And since we're all dog owners, I thought it would be interesting to talk about this. Although um, I'm actually pretty curious to know if you've noticed a change, Andrew, since like you and I are both work from home. How's Brooklyn doing? Does he... Does yeah. he have a problem with this? Or? Um, I think, you know, like most dogs, he's always sad when we are going out without him. Obviously, that doesn't happen as often. But just yesterday, actually, we went out to dinner. Sorry. And um, he was like thinking we were gonna he was going to go with us. And uh, he didn't. So I just felt really bad about that. Um, but then Pat was gone over the weekend. And when uh, Pat got back, Brooklyn got like stupidly excited. And that was after only two nights. So I yeah, I don't think he, he's noticed much of a difference just because his routine hasn't really changed much. But I do feel awful for these pets who have gotten used to their owners. Or even you just think about children. They've gotten used to their parents being home all the time. Suddenly, at some point, hopefully soon, but maybe within the next year, uh, people are going to be going back to work and these pets are going to be all alone again. Yeah. How's yeah. Canela? <laughs> so she loves this. This is like she's living in her glory right now because she gets to be with all her humans. Um, But she's not she's not had a totally like you know, being left alone free quarantine experience just because, you know, we've had some shit come up that we didn't anticipate and it's required us to like meet with contractors or like do home repair stuff. And so she has to be left alone for some of that. So she is still getting left alone sometimes. Definitely not as much as she was before when I was still going into the office and Mark was still commuting to campus um, but I'm thinking that she'll probably be okay just because we also have alternating schedules. So like Mark tends to be home during the day. So by the time I come home, he's usually like going to class or something. So she still gets a, a good amount of overlap, even when life is normal. 
Canela's secret captain for all of you like Marvel fans out there. Her secret captain is that she is always anxious. Mm. So she's already on anti-anxiety medication because she's just a little <laughs> bundle of nerves anyway. So um, I think she'll be fine as fine mm-hmm. as she can be. <laughs> Pam, do they have tips for people who might have to deal with this? Yeah. So basically they said that you should start practicing separating from your pets now. So you can actually do this by putting them in another room on their own and just slowly increasing the time limit and letting them cry it out. And this just like, I don't know if I could do that. That would break my heart. But I understand why um, this article suggests that at the same time, like I, you know, like we're not um, like professional people. So I don't know if there's any, truth to that or yeah. if it, it is as traumatizing as it sounds but well yeah when you said crying it out that reminded me when we first adopted brooklyn for the first couple months whenever we would leave he would start to cry as we left and of course i would feel awful but the other part of me thought well this is just normal with having a dog it just happens and brooklyn was maybe around one at that time and i think he didn't know what was home So, like, for all he knew, we dropped him off in this random-ass apartment, and we're leaving him forever. You know? Just like dogs think, still, no matter how old that they are. But but he did grow out of that after a couple of months, so that was good. That's never happened again. And if it did, it would totally break my heart, and I would have to come back. I I feel bad in general for people who have to go to work and leave their dog because you always see the tweets and the Facebook posts and stuff. People are like, I feel so bad leaving him, even if it's just a normal work day, you know? I wouldn't want to go through that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel guilty, too, because, like, when I leave, Canela will just sit right in front of the door and watch me go out and she'll just watch the crack in the door grow smaller and smaller as I pull it closed. And I'm like watching her the whole time. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I always think of the pink song. I think it is. Please, please don't leave me. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, But we did actually hear from a veterinarian. We heard from Stacy and Stacy said, I'm a veterinarian and we're already seeing the effects of quarantine on pets. During all of this, we saw much more sick pets for things that were not emergent or concerning. And we've accounted this to people being home and staring at their pets more. This is me. I'll like yep. look at Canella and be me like, too. that's different. Like, yep. you didn't uh-huh. used to do that. Or like, your bot, like, oh my God, I was petting her one day and I was like, oh my God, I can feel her spine. Could I, was I used to be able to feel her spine? And everybody else was like, probably, you fucking weirdo. Um, Stacey also says, we also fully expect to see a lot of separation anxiety and or separation distress when people start to go back to work, whenever that may be. The things mentioned in that article, the things mentioned in that Bloomberg article you're all referring to are really good steps to help pets re acclimate to the previous normal. I'm a big fan of behavior training through positive reinforcement. So rewards for isolating in crates or rooms, rewards for not barking or whining if the owner walks away, etc. If all else fails training-wise, coming from someone who has their own six-year-old Prozac puppy and who expects their actual puppy to end up another one, there are a lot of options as far as supplements and medications go that can be offer- that can be often weaned off of if things start to get better. I was really glad to hear that I'm not alone 
in staring at Brooklyn being no, like, something's no, no. different. He's dying. <laughs> for, for me, it's like, because Jasper now is, he's going to be 12 years old at the, at the beginning of next, sometime in August. And so now I stare at him and I think like, is he slowing down? Did he always sleep this much? Right, you know? right, yeah. But he, and then I, and then he's still like, goes crazy right before dinner time so you know he's probably fine but for like a good chunk of the day i stare at him and i wonder like is he is he on his way out yeah well i've been that way i've been that way recently because i took brooklyn to the vet uh two months ago now and they think he has a very small heart murmur they graded on a scale from one to six and they said he was at a two so it's benign but they said keep an eye on it and if he's less interested in exercise, that might be the sign of a problem. So I've been like staring at him. Well, the first few weeks, especially after I heard this, I was staring at him outside being like, is he walking as fast as he normally does? Does he want to go home? I can't tell. Is anything wrong? So I grew out of that. I've, I've learned to just pretend like he doesn't have a heart murmur until I start seeing the signs, of course. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, scary stuff. And um, that's so interesting that just people being home more, people are just staring at their pets and getting paranoid we all just love them sorry yeah, for caring yeah. their it's biggest mistake the other way was telling i know they're staring at you all the time i know right or like staring at where they think you're gonna come home like they'll just stare at the front door and be like i know if i look long enough yeah she'll come he, through jasper knows like um like my brother's name so my brother's coming to visit next week and if we say like, oh, like if I say hi, Sergio, then he'll look at the door and he's oh, looking for cute. my brother because, you know, he knows that he's not in this house very much anymore. So he's like looking. We can't say my brother's name mm-hmm. um, or he goes crazy. Yeah. Can yeah. the same way? If I were going back to work, I'd probably buy one of those smart cameras so I could just watch my pet uh, while I'm at no. work. I would he not would recommend sleep that. all the time. <laughs> I know, but it's comforting, isn't it? No, I used to have one because I was convinced that I wanted to be able to watch Canela while I was at work all day. It's a curse because you're obsessively checking it all the time. You're like, I know I just checked it five minutes ago, but what if she's dead? Like, what if something happened? Yeah. And then yeah. you spend your whole day obsessing over the stupid camera. It's better just to not... <laughs> Yeah. Put yourself through that. Unless, no. like, you know, for example, that, like, if Brooklyn had some, like, really serious condition and you needed to keep an eye on him, then yes. But right. if no, not... No, that makes sense. Uh, let's get to the rest of the Rona Roundup now. see that little bit of like amusement on your face when you play <laughs> that music by it you're like yeah you're trying not to be too tickled by it but you're like inside you're like oh man and this is still so like best one thousand dollars ever <laughs> <laughs> the production value on that little sound effect it's like i feel like we're a hollywood movie when i hear that <laughs> um so i had an observation the other day that i wanted to share with you guys Shopping has really started to suck. I no longer enjoy it simply because you have to wait in line to get in a store now. I am sitting there at Trader Joe's for a good 20 minutes every time I want to go in and buy a fucking box of mac and cheese. And it's so frustrating. Do you guys have this too? Like, I like shopping quickly. I wish I saw this happening more. 
because my Costco, I don't know if it's going to change soon since they're starting to close some more things down again out here in California. But as soon as we moved to phase two, they stopped um, putting a cap on how many people could go in at a time. And I had to go to Costco on Saturday and it was just so packed and it, it's so ridiculous oh, really? because they still have all these signs up that say, you know, please maintain a six feet distance from other people. And I'm just sitting there thinking that that's impossible with how many people you just let in here, you know? Yeah. Nobody really listens to it in stores because you right. are going down the same aisles uh-huh. and nobody listens to the one way signs in stores. That's in the, the other aisles. thing too. Is I I just feel like the they're not very clearly marked because no, most people are not looking down at their feet, and that's where right the, you're looking up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I kind of I kind of wish there were more of this, but I do understand how frustrating the idea of that could be. So yeah. I've only ever had to wait to get into a store if it was like elderly shopping hours, like they were doing a oh. lot more of at the beginning of all of this. Mm. Um, I haven't yet had the experience where they were, where I was stuck outside waiting for a certain number of people to exit the store. Um, I kind of have to agree with Pam here that I wish more stores were taking that seriously here. Um, because I've also been in Costco where I try to, I try to stay shopping at stores that are implementing mass requirements. Um, so that means I've spent a lot of time in Costco lately and it just feels like it's, Everybody is packed as it always was. And yeah. I'm like, <laughs> avoiding coronavirus is like a team effort, right? So you got to wear the masks and you got to social distance and you have to mm-hmm. like keep capacities low in order for this to work. Like if you don't do all of those things, it's not going to be as effective. Right. Um. So to me, that's a little frustrating. But it's also been like almost 100 degrees here for the past few days. So I can understand why somebody would be salty if they had to stand out in that and wait. Um. That would yeah. be terrible. And like I said, for me, like I get why they're doing it. And that's fine, especially in Trader Joe's. And those Trader Joe's stores are always small. Costco, like, yeah, if it's packed, that's a problem. But at least there's the potential for people to be more spread out because it is such a large building. It's tough. I've seen a lot of stores start to require wearing masks, though. Like Walmart is requiring masks now. Target is going to be requiring masks. Starbucks. And that's good because our government isn't laying down the law. Some states are, but certainly not at a federal level. And uh, it's it's up to the businesses now to save everybody. Yeah, I'm super excited because um, Publix, which is our one of our big grocery chains here in the southeastern United States, um, which is also just not known for being super liberal and progressive. That's just not part of their branding, although they are a fantastic grocery store. Like if I have to go grocery shopping, they are always my first pick. They have announced that they are going to be requiring masks starting the day this episode is released. Um, I'm so excited for it. And actually, I was in there shopping the other day and I was wearing my Hillary Clinton shirt. And I had my mask on and I went through the checkout line and the girl at checkout was just like, that's a great shirt. (laughs) And I was like, oh, thank you. And she was like, I'm betting that you get comments on that quite a bit. And I was like, not good ones up here. (laughs) And she was like, as she handed me my receipt, she was like, this state is terrible. Get out while you can. (laughs) And I was like, I hear you. 
Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I'll probably uh, start going back there more frequently now that they're requiring masks, which is great. Yeah. Um, not great is that last Thursday, the U.S. reported 70,000 new coronavirus cases. On Woo! this show just a couple months ago, weren't we talking about this report that predicted 100,000 new cases a day? Mm-hmm. And... Some people downplayed it after that report came out. I think some people said the New York Times was being irresponsible because it was like an internal government report or some there was some issue, but we're on track now to hit a hundred thousand per day within the next I don't know month or so. So that prediction may be actually very accurate. It has been trending upward for the past few weeks. Well, also the CDC predicted um, at the end of June that we would, as a nation, hit. 140,000 deaths by the end of July. And uh, we're ahead of schedule, guys. We hit 140,000 deaths by mid-July. Great. Fuck me. Do you guys remember back in like freaking February, Laura was on the show and she was like, have you guys heard about the coronavirus? What do you guys think about it? And I still remember I was like, I don't give a fuck. What else is going on, Laura? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that this is a perfect opportunity to talk about why we should all, and I'm mainly looking at our conservative government, um, why everybody needs to embrace this idea of evolving your views on things when you get new information. Like, I remember when this first started, I was sort of leaning on our historical experience with, like, SARS and H1N1 and Ebola. And I was like, oh, we've always had our shit together before. This might be similar. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because I had faith in Trump. It was because I thought at the time that the infrastructure was there and that the government would just use it <laughs> instead of tear it all down and tell us all that we could literally fuck off and die. Um, but now that we know that this is so different, like it's okay to be like, yeah, you know what? I was wrong about that a few months ago when we were all first talking about it. Oh, yeah. Back then, we never would have dreamed of where we are. Right. And I just, I know... I know several people who are like hardcore Trump fans and who just don't want to let go and don't want to admit that they were wrong. It's like that we keep coming back to that sports team mentality Mm -hmm. of like, I must be right. I can never be wrong. And I'm literally willing to look look the other way when 140,000 of my countrymen have died and... 40 million of my countrymen are unemployed as a as a result of this. And to me, that's worse than being wrong at the beginning. Yes. Like, if you continue to choose to be willfully ignorant, then uh, I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> right. Show a little humility. Mm-hmm. Also, there was big news this week because we also found out that the White House has ordered that COVID numbers be reported directly to HHS, not the CDC. This means the White House could very well start hiding coronavirus cases, case numbers. This is what fascism looks like. This is horrible. This is irresponsible. This is dangerous. No, it's it's horrifying. And my hope is that 
um, that hospitals start sending reports to both the CDC and Health and Human Services, just so that we can see how different those numbers look when they're publicized. I don't even know if that would help, though, because I think with something like this, there, there's a frighteningly large number of the population that really just wants to go back to normal. So, of course, they're going to believe the narrative mm-hmm. that they want. Mm-hmm. And it's just so dangerous for anybody to be, um, you know, downplaying the numbers like you were basically alluding to with your previous point. Looking towards a possible cure, um, the New York Times has a really good tracker for the vaccine. And I don't know if you guys heard on the day that we're recording this episode, it was reported that a vaccine being developed out of Oxford University has shown some promise in trials mm-hmm. um, and that it's preparing to move on to the third phase of its testing. Um, mm. So that's a positive. Dr. Fauci seems to be optimistic that we could have a vaccine early 2021. Um, I'm trying not to get too attached to that idea because I don't want to be disappointed. Um, right. but he But he seems really optimistic about it. And I just wanted to do, um, no pun intended, a temperature check here to see how we're all feeling about the vaccine and whether we will be lining up to get it as soon as it's available. No, I don't believe in vaccinations. I'm an (laughs) anti-vaxxer, so I won't be participating in that. No. I mean, I was hopeful. And then we did this Bay Hangout on Patreon a few days ago. And some people were like, we may never get a vaccine. They may just be telling us that vaccines are in the works just to make us feel better. But I don't believe that, right? Do you guys? I don't really know what to think. I mean, I'm not I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. And I think trying to opine on the likelihood of these things would be really disingenuous. Um, I will say that when a vaccine is available, I will be first in line to have it. Um, because I, you know, I'm not immunocompromised. I'm able to get the vaccine and help contribute to the herd immunity that we need in order to get this country back on track. Do you think they'll have like midnight release parties and we can all line <laughs> can up and imagine? count down? Oh my God. I'll wear my <laughs> Harry Potter robes. <laughs> we'll walk in with our arm out like this. Right here. Right here. Come on. God. I mean, like, I think that Laura's thinking is the right way to think it. I... I do get vaccinated begrudgingly, not because I don't believe in it, but because like, I know that every time I get the flu shot, I'm going to get sick, you know, and I know that that's a small price to pay for the safety of other people. But yeah, so I'll get it. But I won't be happy about it. Because I I just like know that, you know, they have to inject you with a small bit of the virus. So and I'm my I don't know what it is about me. I know some people it doesn't affect some people, but I always seem to be affected. So I'm just Mm. I'm waiting for it to get here. And, you know, well, (laughs) yeah, like when you get a a flu vaccine, it is possible to experience flu like symptoms after having that. Um, I think the argument there is that better to have flu like symptoms than the full on flu. One hundred percent. But, you know, vaccines also aren't a hundred percent. So, I mean, I definitely got a flu shot one year and also got the flu. Like, it can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is really about the collective, all participating. Yeah, think of other people, Pam. 
Such that's not what she's saying. That's not what she's saying. I'm kidding. I think I think we as a country, like we really have to reshape our narrative and the way that we think about, um, you know, preventative health measures like vaccines, because so often vaccines are just as much, if not more, about making sure that you're not getting other people sick, not just you yourself not getting sick. And just, I mean, imagine the rollout of this vaccine in America under this administration. I imagine that being a disaster on its own. I don't know how these are rolled out, but I'm sure the Trump administration is going to find a way to fuck it up somehow, if if testing has been any indication. So hopefully by the time there is a vaccine, Joe Biden is president and things will go smoothly. But uh, something also happened in Atlanta this week, Laura. Yeah. So um, Keisha Lance Bottoms, um, our wonderful mayor, said, fuck Brian Kemp and made masks mandatory in Atlanta. Um, Then our stupid governor sued her for it. trying to say that his regula- his state regulations override any local ordinances about mask wearing. Um, he also conveniently seems to have forgotten that Keisha Lance Bottoms is a lawyer, so I think she knows how to handle this shit. Um, but it's just another example of how the you know the the leaders sort of in the highest positions across the country are just not in line with what's happening on the ground. And, like, when you get to live in the governor's mansion, you know, (laughs) away from your people and you're not required to be amongst them and expose yourself like Keisha Lance Bottoms has. She tested positive for COVID because she's been out and around with protesters over the last couple of months, um, the the contrast between the two of them as leaders and as representatives of our state couldn't be more stark. All right. So before we get to Trumpster Fire 2020, it's time to hear from our next sponsor, Issue. We love talking about tools on this show that help save you time in your workflow. And boy, do I need things like this now more than ever. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about Issue, another tool to help you in your job. Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines to sales collateral and more. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, educators, publishers, salespeople, or anyone that wants to make eye-catching content without being an expert at designing. Simply upload your PDFs and files and Issue transforms them using your vision and customizable templates to create the content you want. You'll look like a design expert and you won't have spent any time sweating details or tinkering with your shiny new documents. With Issue, you create it once and distribute it everywhere. Everything is optimized to post on your website and social platforms like Instagram and Facebook. They can even help you make animated Instagram stories. And of course, all the content will look great on desktop and mobile devices. Plus, Issue is used by millions of people to discover new content, so you'll reach even more readers once you publish with Issue. They even have SEO tools so that your content can be discovered via Google. And as a publisher myself, I know how important discovery is, and I'm delighted by how Issue helps out sites like mine. Best of all, it is free to get started with Issue. Go to issue.info slash M-I-L-L to sign up for your free account. 
Make your content the best it can be and make it easy for everyone to access no matter how they're trying to view it. That's issuu.info slash M-I-L-L to sign up and let them know that you heard about it from our show. Remember, that's .info, not .com. Go to issue.info slash M-I-L-L to set up your free account today. Okay, it's time now for Trumpster Fire. I took one of our Donald Trump stickers and I defaced public property today down at the uh, beach here. I was like, (laughs) let me leave my mark on the town before I go. So I did that this morning. I did put one out like last year and then somebody tore it off, presumably a Trump supporter. So hopefully this one will last longer. Well, it's good that you did that before the Trump administration starts sending federal officers in to start yanking people off the streets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Didn't Trump threaten that in Chicago, I think? Yes, he did. Because people are protesting the Christopher Columbus statue in town. Um, But I don't know how anybody could like Donald Trump after this Fox News Sunday interview that aired over the weekend with uh, Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace has always been very fair to Trump in that he doesn't suck up to him like everybody else on Fox News. And Trump is obsessed with talking about his mental health. And he likes to call himself a stable genius. And every time there's a report that he's lost it, he's like, I haven't lost it. I'm the smartest person on the planet. So there was this moment uh, during his big interview on Fox News over the weekend. In the Fox poll, they asked people, who is more competent? Who's got whose mind is sounder? Biden beats you in that. Well, I tell you what, uh, let's take a test. Let's take a test right now. Let's go down. Joe and I will take a test. Let him take the same test that I took. Incidentally, I took the test, too, when I heard that you passed it. Yeah, how did it's you not do the it? Har- well, it's not the hardest test. No, but the it last... It has a picture, and it says, what's that? And it's an elephant. No, no, no. You see, that's all misrepresentation. Well, that's what it was on the web. It's all misrepresentation. Because, yes, the first few questions are easy. But I'll bet you couldn't even answer the last five questions. I'll bet you couldn't. They get very hard, the last five well, questions. Well, one of them was count back from 100 by 7. <laughs> Let me tell you. You couldn't answer. You couldn't answer. All right. What's the question? Many of the questions. I'd get you the test. I'd like to give it. But I guarantee you that Joe Biden could not answer those questions. Okay. Okay? Uh, And I answered all 35 questions correctly. Chris Wallace was having a ball (laughs) with him, by the way, because like he knows that Trump is such a freaking idiot. This interview, the whole thing's on uh, YouTube. You can watch it if you want. So, um... Most countries seem to be barring United States citizens from entering right now. So if you had a big overseas vacation planned for this summer or fall, you're probably not going unless it's to one of these locations, Belize, French Polynesia, the Maldives, Rwanda, St. Martin, Turks and Caicos, Antigua and Barbuda, Aruba, and actually... The Bahamas was recently open, but it actually recently closed because their cases were getting too high again because so many Floridians were going there. Um, The whole EU has banned us, so we can't go there. Not that we should be going anywhere. Wow. But it's it's very interesting, I thought, because there's always been this sort of um, narrative that to possess a United States passport was mm-hmm. to have like the golden ticket. You could yeah. go so many places without needing to apply for a visa. 
Um, so many places would just let you in and give you multiple months on a tourist visa, no questions asked. And now we're the immigrants bringing the sickness <laughs> that nobody else wants. Yeah, it's insane. America, the leader of the free world, you know, we're number one. and We, we literally are, are. Yeah. In all the worst things. <laughs> we are no longer that world leader, and it's really embarrassing. Hopefully somebody can save us in November. And I think the only person who can's name is Joe Biden. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> also, in his interview with Chris Wallace on Sunday, um, President Trump, again, for the second time, has refused to accept the results of this year's election if it doesn't turn out the way that he wants it to. Um, this is the same thing that he did in 2016. He was also refusing to state that he would accept the outcome of the election no matter what happened. Um, so he is clearly already gearing himself up for a rigged narrative, especially looking at his yeah. latest poll numbers. When we see how often he speaks about mail-in ballots and how those are problematic for a variety of reasons. And come November, if when he loses the election, he's going to be talking about the mail-in ballots and he's going to be talking about how people illegally voted like crazy, just like he was in 2016 before he won that election. So I would not be surprised if he does not concede to Joe Biden if he does lose this November. He's going to at least wait it out a couple days, I think. I think so, too. Because he won't be able to accept that he lost. He's a winner. He does nothing but win in his mind. Oh, he's definitely going to ask for a recount at least. All while crying that, you know, it's all the mail-in ballot votes and they're illegitimate mm-hmm. and it's going it's going to get drawn out for sure. I just Remember? hope that Republicans go against him. They don't side with him when he tries to start this whole debate. I hope they just say, you need to accept the results of the election. Well, his hardcore supporters are not going to. They are already... Those- yeah, very well primed to right. think that this election is rigged. I mean, these are the people who think that the Democrats and the CDC created coronavirus as a hoax to bring down Trump's economy. Like, yeah, they're I'm not going to change their mind. I'm talking about like Mitch McConnell. Like, I want to see mm-hmm. him come out and say, this is what happened. He lost. He needs to accept the results. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to Mitch, of course, because there are a few vulnerable Republican Senate seats that are up this fall as well. And was that your Mitch McConnell face? Oh, it's going to happen. But we did want to give a little bit of a plug that in the weeks ahead, we will be talking about some of those seats and hopefully we'll never have to look at Mitch McConnell's. <laughs> Um, turtle face again, or Lindsey Graham, or Jim Jordan. We can just say goodbye to all of them. We can only um, dream. Yeah, but we'll be giving some coverage to all of the their opponents who are challenging them this fall. Um, but while we're talking about Biden, I'm thinking in terms of the current climate of coronavirus, if Biden wins... When he is sworn into office in January, what do you both think should be his first move as president? I, I feel like the there's a laundry list, so I would love to know what you would want first. I think he needs to shut this shit down. Like, I think he legitimately needs to come in and be like, 
guess what, guys? Country is shut the fuck down for a month. Stay home. We're going to send you all stimulus checks. That's true. And we're going to get past this thing. And it won't be popular. But if he does it early on in his first term, nobody will remember it by the time... (laughs) It comes for re-election. Oh, God. Um, because I, Trump supporters I will think, lose their minds. I, I think that we are honestly still going to be battling corona when that time comes. Yeah. And I just don't see any other option. I think yeah. somebody has to come in and just be like, mm, guess what? State lockdown. Keep your ass at home. Yeah. I think it's the only way. I would like to see... Uh, Joe Biden rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement. I think he'll make some big moves on the environment in his first few weeks in office because that's just been a really big uh, change during the Trump administration. He needs to do what Trump's been doing to Obama. He just needs to undo literally everything that Trump is doing and also try to start rebuilding the healthcare system. Yeah, I would also like to see something done about immigration, but... um... You know, that's that's a little bit further down the line and maybe also um, just something a little bit more. Basically, what it comes down to is I know that the, the um, people that are, uh, you know, students that are dreamers right now or, or people that, you know, are in that position, uh, they're always in limbo and even more so with the Trump administration. Um, so I would also like to see something done about that. Yeah, he um, so. Bernie and Biden actually put together a unity plan that they're hoping will influence um, the Democratic platform this year, um, where they're basically finding a middle ground between their own sets of proposed policies and the dreamers are addressed in there. Mm. That is also a hope as well. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of something that's not representative of America at its best, um, This has been getting some coverage over the last couple of weeks, um, but it's really only been in the last few days or so that major news outlets are covering it and giving substantiating details. But protesters in Portland have been being rounded up by federal agents in unmarked vans. This is like every dystopian nightmare Mm -hmm. scenario that the Second Amendment crowd had in mind about Obama. (laughs) Like, this is what they thought he was going to do. And now that it's happening to their opponents, they're nowhere to be found. I'm like, where where's Jim Bob with his fucking gun collection? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing, man? And it's because it's the people that they voted into office who are doing it. So they're fine with it. Yeah. Um, But The city of Portland is also now suing the federal government um, for unlawful detainment of these protesters and saying that actually the presence of these unmarked um, sort of unidentifiable federal agents is further escalating situations there in Portland rather than de-escalating them. Um, And I know, Andrew, we spoke a few moments ago about how Trump actually threatened to do this in Chicago as well, where protests are still occurring. Yeah, it's something like you see in a television show. I just can't believe that they're getting away with this. This may be one of the most terrifying things we've seen out of this administration yet. Yep, fascism. Mm -hmm. 101. And I mean, I don't know. I hope it stops soon. You see everything that's happening in the Trump administration, and you do 
also see his sagging poll numbers. And you do have to wonder, maybe a majority of this country actually does believe that everything he is doing is wrong. Like, that's a little hopeful. At least there's that. But that's not going to change his actions. Him and his administration are set in his ways, and they're going to go down swinging with these tactics. Well, he also said in response to this, um, he said, we are trying to help Portland not hurt it. Their leadership has for months lost control of the anarchists and agitators. They are missing in action. We must protect federal property and our people. Once again, the buildings matter more than people argument happening here. Didn't the um, the the mayor of Portland also say that they didn't ask for this? Yes. Help. Yeah. Yeah. The mayor has literally been like, you're making it worse. Get the fuck out. Right. Yeah. Not in so many words, but. (laughs) Okay. That's all for Trumpster Fire. And now for a complete change in topic, Pam and I wanted to take a quick break to highlight a sponsor who's literally got your back. Third Love. Third Love does bras differently, and they believe everyone deserves to feel comfortable and confident every day. Third Love's bras are designed to fit you, not the other way around. They have over 80 bra sizes, but know the only size that matters is your true fit. Start out by taking their super simple Fit Finder quiz, which takes less than 60 seconds to complete, and Third Love will help determine your breast size and shape to find the styles that best fit your body. I've been wearing Third Love's bras for almost a couple of years at this point, and I swear by the fit. They're also super comfortable, and mine have held up really nicely. Pam, you've been on the Third Love train for a while now as well, right? Yeah, I love their um, 24-7 Perfect Coverage bra. It's just super comfortable, and like you said, they wash super well, so all of mine have held up too. Um, The straps are my all-time favorite because they don't dig into my shoulders. And that's a really nice change from some of my other bras. And Third Love stands behind their products. Every customer has 60 days to put it to the test. If you don't love it, return it, and Third Love will wash it and donate it to someone in need. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash millennial for 15% off today. So I wanted to talk about moving in general, because as I've documented here on the show, I didn't like Chicago as much as I thought I would. And I wanted to ask you guys, have you ever been in a situation or maybe do you guys know anybody else besides me who have moved somewhere and have decided that the city did not fit them? They didn't like the city as much as they were expecting. Me, New York City. Oh, really? I guess I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, so I have to give a qualifier here. I love New York. Um, It's one of my favorite places in the country, mm-hmm. just not to live. It's right. really hard to live there. And I had so much imposter syndrome while I was there. Like, I just felt like I didn't fit. And that was really hard and kind of disappointing for me because I felt like culturally, like it was very much in line <laughs> with me as a person. And to get there and realize that me and New York City were like two mismatched puzzle pieces that just didn't work together (laughs) Mm -hmm. was really hard. 
Um, So there's there's some shame with that. Like there's a little bit of shame of like moving across the country to this big iconic place and then having it not work out. I'm glad you mentioned that, though, because that's something I also want to talk about. There is a lot of shame with leaving somewhere that you only recently moved to. I personally don't feel it. And I I don't want to come off as boastful or arrogant, but I just really don't give a fuck that it didn't work out. It's okay. It it happens. And I've spoken to some people about this before. Like I know some people who moved to LA five years ago at this point, and they're leaving and they feel like it's early. It's earlier than they anticipated because they had these thoughts of getting involved in Hollywood and whatnot. But it's okay if it doesn't work out. Like when you visit a city like New York, for example, like you said, you enjoy visiting. So you might naturally think I might actually like living there full time. And then you start living there full time and, you know, you get tired of seeing all the rats and how they literally throw their trash on the sidewalk because they don't have alleys and it's so crowded and it's so expensive. And then you're like, well, this isn't the dream I thought that it was. And then you decide to go. And I think that's perfectly fine. And I think it's really admirable to just be like, hey, it didn't work out. At least I tried it. And then move on with your life. Yeah, I agree. I don't for New York. It wasn't for me. It wasn't about any of those things you mentioned. (laughs) It was more that um, I was surprised that New York being the city that it is and having the population that it has was simultaneously like the most crowded place I've ever been, but also the place in which I felt the most isolated I've ever felt. That's interesting. Um, Yeah. A lot of people think New York's a melting pot and nobody's weird there like everybody just fits in because everybody's different yeah and it wasn't that i didn't feel like i fit in it was that i felt like i didn't have a support system like i didn't have anybody there how about pizza rat did pizza rat bond with you at all (laughs) no i thought the rats were cool though i (laughs) you got along (laughs) no i mean i actually i i had a great admiration for their like their culture and their system they had set up like fuck they listen they were a fucking machine like you really got to study them to realize they had that shit down they i think they knew how the city worked better than most of the people who were i don't there. think laura's kidding laura is saying she admires I'm, new york city's rats i'm not kidding <laughs> they do know how to work the system they do wow They're fucking cool yeah. man wow they were P- better at it than i was <laughs> my god okay um that's gonna haunt my dreams tonight <laughs> Um, Pam, how about you? Did you ever move somewhere that you may have regretted? Or do you know anybody who's been in that situation? Yeah, it's really funny, because I think that um, my New York, in terms of Laura's story is Los Angeles. Um, I just really thought coming off of living um, for a couple of months in New York, where I um, was just like very far removed from family and closer friends that being in LA would just be so much easier because I had spent so much time there before and I knew people there and it was just like not a good fit for my mental health at the the time even though I was you know actively doing what I wanted to do for my career so that was a really weird juxtaposition to be in because I did not enjoy the um the area but I was like you know advancing professionally 
Um, and it was really hard to come to terms with the fact that I just needed to take a step back and leave for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. because there is a bit of, of shame, like you were saying, Andrew, and, and going somewhere that maybe like in my case, like, you know, you're supposed to be in, but then just deciding yeah. that you need to tap out. Um, yeah. and, and no one, um, really understood that. So when I yeah. started telling everybody that I was going to move back up to Northern California, they were like, why would you do that? Like your job is here. Right. Um, the studios are here. Like you're not like you're taking a step back and, um, and who would want to leave LA? LA is perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially it's yeah. interesting because LA is typically like people criticize LA to be sure, but LA is kind of like the end all be all in most people's eyes. And you see it on social media, and it's always in a positive light for the most part. Um, So that adds to the shame when you decide that you are going to leave, because a lot of people are going to say, how could you ever want to leave a place like Los Angeles? And I kind of went through that, too, because I was there for nine years. And my excuse at the time, and it wasn't just an excuse, it was legitimate, is that I felt like I hit a wall in LA. Like I couldn't go any further. I wasn't able to advance in life in LA. I would have to be somebody else to advance in my life in LA. It's interesting too, that like all of us, the three of us collectively, we've lived in the three biggest cities in the United States and we've all ended up not liking them. LA, New York, and Chicago. We're smaller city people. Uh, and the, the thing that's so tough about it is it's not that I don't like New York. I really like New York. I just can't live there. And I thought it was interesting when you were talking about people's reactions to leaving those big cities. Because I remember when I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave New York and move back to Atlanta. Like, I cannot tell you how many reactions I got from people. They were like, yeah, you're leaving New York to go to Atlanta. And I was like, listen, Atlanta's home. Like, it's not it's not perfect, but it's where my support system is. Yeah, you have to come armed with excuses, unfortunately, because you do get those reactions and you have to explain to people why you've made this decision. Like for me, I've been telling people I want to get back. I want to get back out west. I want to live the desert lifestyle. I want to live in a warmer climate. I want to be able to visit all the cities that I love out there. Um, and it's uh, the cost of living is lower, which is one of the things I'm most excited about. And actually, when I've told people that I'm leaving Chicago, a lot of people actually do understand it. Even like here in this neighborhood, um, because the climate really is a big factor here. It really does take over your life. But let's talk about dream places to live. If money and a career weren't factors, let's say you're retired, you're living comfortably, where would you want to live out the rest of your life? Somewhere on a beach. Like the Gulf Coast, maybe? or Yeah, like... I mean, Gulf Coast, but also I'm not married to this country. I'd be happy to go somewhere else. You would leave. I mean, yeah. you know, I... I would love to be at a point in my life where it would be possible for me to live at least part time in Costa Rica, because that I mean, as a place, it just holds a very special place in my heart. And Mm -hmm. I have, you know, so many friends down there that it would be great to be able to to spend some more time living there and also be near the beach. The beach is like my healing space. Like, yeah. And when you think about like for you, Andrew, it's the desert, like how it just seems to have like a naturally positive effect on you. That's what yeah. 
the coast is for me. Yeah. Um, so I would want to definitely be somewhere coastal. And also just the sun. Mm-hmm. Like the sun can really control somebody's mood. So if you're somebody who's affected by the amount of sunlight that you get every day, you don't want to move up to the Pacific Northwest because there's a lot of cloudy days up there, you know? So that's another reason I'm looking forward to getting back to the Southwest. Um, For me, I would probably say somewhere along the Pacific Ocean, if money was no factor, somewhere along the Pacific Ocean, probably the lower half of the country because you get the warmth and you get the beaches and like if you... LA is crowded, but in between LA and San Diego somewhere, maybe Orange County and like a Newport Beach or something like that. Oh, where there's so many Republicans there. Yeah, whatever. I'll, I don't know, block them out somehow. <laughs> but I would just like that. It's that perfect climate. It's uh, so expensive. So it's unrealistic. <laughs> but it is a nice dream. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe the desert's going to give me that. Obviously, it gets very hot this time of year, but the rest of the year, it's pretty fucking nice. So, And Pam, how about you? I, I feel like this is not going to be a shocker. Um, I would retire <laughs> somewhere in San Francisco or uh, up in Marin County, which is, you know, a little bit further north. But uh-huh. um, I'm from this area, and um, I just really enjoy it despite you know, some issues that the the influx of tech people <laughs> have been bringing in. Um, and the weather is um, probably as hot as I can take it. I would thrive up in the Pacific Northwest because like, I don't like the sun. So <laughs> that would be <laughs> fine. Um, but yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. And then finally, I just wanted to ask, what's a place we've visited that we would absolutely hate to live in? It's New York for me. And I have always felt this way about New York. I can do New York for like two or three nights. It's fun to go to the bars, see friends, good restaurants, obviously hit up a couple Broadway shows. But I need my Target department store. I need space. I need the trash in dumpsters in an alley or hidden off to the side. Like I, I will never get over that New Yorkers throw their trash onto the sidewalk. Like that is so mind boggling to me and just not a place I'd want to live. And you smell all that trash and the rats are everywhere. I think we have to qualify. New Yorkers don't just throw their garbage like everywhere. You're talking about it's for, everywhere. Like, gar- for like garbage <laughs> pickup, like how people put yes. their bags out to wait for the garbage pickup. Yeah, you're walking along the street and you're just walking by all these trash bags for blocks and blocks, you know? I think yeah, that's but they disgusting. get picked up. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you just you come to accept it when you live there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I won't accept that. <laughs> How about you guys? City you would never live in. LA. Fuck you, Laura. I've I've been there a handful of times and I've never walked away from it being like, wow, <laughs> I really loved that. Really? <laughs> no. well, I don't think you've ever had a bad time in L.A. No, I've never had a bad time, but I've never walked away being like, yeah, this is somewhere I want to live. <laughs> you don't like how the uh, rats operate there? You're not impressed? No, I'm just not impressed with Hollywood culture, I guess. The lack of public transportation is rough, too. I mean, they've yeah, got buses, but the, the train is system awful. is not good. Yeah. This is such an abstract answer, but I, I don't think I can live anywhere that's landlocked. I think I really need to be mm. on the coast somewhere. 
Good answer. Um, I, when I was applying to colleges, I, I have an uncle in Texas and he took me on a, very generously took me on a college state uh, tour out there and just, you know, sitting, setting foot in some of these cities. I was like, this is not for me. And yeah. I, I just like knew it was just, it's right in the middle of the country. It felt claustrophobic. It was too hot. So I yeah. just, I, I know that I couldn't do it. Yeah. That was another thing that drew me to Chicago. The fact that it was still on the water. And like I said, during that quiz at the top of the show, it is called the third coast as well, because we have Lake Michigan right here. Over the winter, the lake isn't as pleasant when it's frozen over. Okay, so if anybody has any feedback about this discussion or anything else that we've discussed today, send it on in, millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. And Laura, we've had a bunch of new patrons recently, right? Yeah, so we just wanted to say that in addition to everything else, this episode has been sponsored by listeners like you. Um, you can check us out and support the show over at patreon.com slash millennial in order to gain access to benefits like After Dark, the Millennial Variety Show, our Bay Hangouts, Palace Intrigue posts, and also our Discord, where you can hang out and chat with fellow listeners and the hosts. Um, all of that and so much more starting at just $2 a month. Um, we wanted to give a shout out to our latest patrons. They are Audrey, Danielle, Amy, Jerry Ann, Mike, Nicole, Chrissy, Amanda, Christina, Stacy, Andy, Kim, Rachel, Diana, Sarah, Muriel, Michelle, Bridget, Jordan, Rachel, Laura, Letty, Dan, Stephen, Gigi, Alexis, Nassim, Stephanie, Anonymous. Ooh. <laughs> Anonymous is supporting us. Samerson. Uh oh. Becky, Jack, Melissa, Tiffany, Kara, Ashley, Nick, Amy, Ellen, Elrica, and Rachel. Thank you so much. And we are so yeah, thrilled thank you. to have you guys. Yeah. And coming up in After Dark today, Pam has a little tea to spill about her family. Uh, some recent drama has been going on and some drama coming up. And because Midnight Sun is just around the corner, we are going to take a very difficult test together to test our knowledge of the first Twilight book. And I was looking through some of these questions, and I think we're going to need help from some of the people who are listening live tonight. Yep. Thank God we have you guys. <laughs> They're really hard. But, <laughs> but we need to remember what happened because we have Midnight Sun, Twilight from Edward's perspective coming up. So that'll be happening at patreon.com slash millennial today. And by the way, we will be off next week because for the millionth time, I am moving and Pam has something going on next week as well that she'll touch on in After Dark. Time for recommendations. I want to recommend something we've been using a lot as we get ready to move out of here. Have you guys seen these before? These magic erasers Mm -hmm. for Mr. Clean? Yep. Yeah. So you you just pull one out of this little book and you can wipe scuff marks, um, pen marks off of walls, any dirt. And it's way better than repainting. So highly recommend the Mr. Clean magic erasers. They come in these thin sheets and then they come in thicker pads as well. I wanted to recommend John Lewis's um, graphic novel trilogy. It's called March. Um, this is good for people of all ages. It's a graphic novel that tells the story of the American Civil Rights Movement through the eyes of a young John Lewis. Um, good for everybody, but it's particularly good for children. So if you're trying to educate your kids more about um, what happened at that point to really, you know, m- 
help it resonate more with them when they're seeing everything that's going on now in this country related to race, I would highly recommend this. And I wanted to recommend Trader Joe's Cold Brew Coffee Concentrate. Um, I do like to make my iced coffee and cold brew at home. But I do often get impatient when I'm waiting for the coffee to cool for iced coffee or if I have to wait 24 hours for the cold brew to steep. So if you're lazy like me, this is a great (laughs) alternative. And uh, you just mix it with some water or some milk if you want to be hardcore and you're ready to go. So it's a good little treat for the uh, warm summer months. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. We will miss you next week, but we will try to uh, post some things on Patreon so uh, we can keep you entertained. And of course, follow us on social media. We'll be posting there as usual. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Do follow us today. Thank you in advance. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Goodbye. Goodbye.